Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word, and I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And I wanted to read to you from the first chapter of Joshua. This is one of my favorite books. It it wasn't necessarily when I was younger, um, but I also didn't understand. Um, I didn't really understand Old Testament like I do now. I think the New Testament is easier for children to understand because the Old Testament is really full of a lot of laws. It's um, really much. It's a lot of guidance and principles and that kind of thing. And I think the New Testament is easier for children and teenagers to understand because it, it's more. First of all, it's more recent history. that directly correlates to our faith of Christianity. And secondly, the New Testament is written more um in stories and parables whereas the Old Testament is laws um kind of legislative but it's also historical kind of documentary kind of things. And I think children can get bogged down in um I don't want to say the history's boring, but they may not always understand the intensity of what was happening to the israelites the hebrews to the prophets and the characters of the old testament because i feel like the new testament is easier for children and for teeny boppers because it directly deals with the lineage of jesus christ and it really kind of starts um with the beginning of jesus's life and goes right into his ministry and goes into his life death and resurrection then when he ascended to heaven i think that's easier for uh, younger people to grasp than to understand um the old testament but i will say this i'm so glad that i have reread the bible multiple times throughout my life but especially as an adult because i have i have learned to really enjoy the old testament like i like the old testament more now excuse me than i did when i was younger because i think when you're older sometimes you really find the beauty of the old testament and you see things there that you may not have seen um when you were younger because i remember as a little girl i was very frustrated with several books in the old testament because i did not have a clue what it was talking about but i will say the psalms was always one of my favorite books even as a little girl but pretty much any of the other books in the old testament it just always felt like it was over my head So I tended to stick with um Psalms and I liked Genesis a little bit as a little girl but Psalms and Revelation were some of my favorites and then um I predominantly stuck with the New Testament which is interesting because the particular religion that I was raised in as a little girl was very wrath of God Old Testament and that's probably why I hated it I literally hated it when I was younger and I don't mean that to over exaggerate it's just I thought the Old Testament um preached hate towards people like me. And so I realized that as an adult, um or when I became an adult, um I realized that I was trained and taught wrong. And some some of the people that were teaching us wrong, um they they had ulterior ulterior motives. Others I think were just misinformed and they were just believing in a false doctrine. So um the false doctrine of whatever they wanted to interpret with the bible but they were not really taking into consideration everything that was in god's holy word which is how you need to embrace and how you appreciate god's holy word is is you take all of it into account not just bits and pieces you know i know like in one of my previous podcasts 
I did um, God's strength um, or God gives us strength or something to that nature. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I listed off all these different Bible verses that talk about strength, that we that we can get our strength from God and that God provides us strength. Well, is that cherry picking verses? Yes, but it's not pulling them out of context. So, you know, you can pick out verses that really mean something to you to you and that you really like because that's technically one of the things that we can do as Christians. You know, as believers in Christ Jesus, if there's something that really jumps out at you but it doesn't jump out at me, I think it would be great if you were to let me know, "Hey, this is why this verse jumped out at me." Because I think that's one way how we proclaim and spread the gospel throughout the entire world is we let people know that hey this is also the meaning behind this and you know if you don't understand it that's okay you might understand it this way so that's one way to look at it but let's go ahead and start on Joshua chapter 1 and again this is one of my favorite books and I will be reading from the King James version it's a beautiful bible i can't remember if i always said this but with this edition it was printed by Barnes and Noble and it has great pictures in it very beautiful pictures and um they were Uh, painted or etched um, or drawn, whatever the correct wording is. I think they were drawn or etched because they look like they're almost charcoal based. Um, they were drawn by a Frenchman back in the 1800s, I believe. And um, I'll double check that real quick and make sure I'm not telling you wrong. But it's it's really beautiful artwork. And um, let's see about the artist. Yes, 1800s. It says Gustave Doré. was born in Strasbourg, France in 1832 and began his career as an artist in Paris while still a teenager. Although he also worked as a sculptor and painter, he remains best known for his many many illustrations. Um Doré's extraordinary detailed and starkly dramatic work made him one of the most successful book illustrators of the 19th century. The prolific artist often working in collaboration with a large team of woodcutters for his exquisitely wrought and often operatic engravings i can see that illustrated roughly 120 works of classic literature including dante's inferno that might be where i've seen some of his his work before um that that would ring a bell milton's paradise lost i've read that and uh cervantes don quixote i did not like don quixote i i actually hated it i didn't like that book that that uh, literature His illustrated edition of the King James Bible was first published in France in 1865 and was an instant success. I can see why. Like if you get this Bible, you will completely and totally understand why his work was amazing and why this Bible sold so well back then with his illustrations. It says it uh, was an instant success. It would prove to be the defining work of his career. He died in Paris in 1883. So, very interesting artist. very interesting indeed. So let's go ahead and start on the first chapter of Joshua. And mind you, um this is after the um book of Deuteronomy, almost at Exodus, but it's Deuteronomy is the previous book before this. And um you know, we we've gone through some of the history of Moses and how he led the Israelites out of Egypt and then they were in the um the desert they did not get to go to the promised land immediately because of their sin and how they doubted God and they really frustrated him and irritated him so um now at this point Moses has died 
he lived out his full course um as a wonderful i guess you can say prophet of god and um he passed on his mantle as you say um to Joshua because Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were allowed into the promised land from the original Israelites that left Egypt even Moses was not allowed into the promised land um because he was he was basically semi being punished by God um for what the Israelites did but also Moses lost his temper out in the desert and um spoke harshly so and he also disobeyed God in in another way but anyway so that's kind of where we're at right now Moses has died and Joshua is now taking the lead so here we go this is almost like a play in itself but it's really good um it says uh, now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua the son of Nun Moses's minister saying Moses my servant is dead Now therefore rise go over this Jordan thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them even to the children of Israel every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon even unto the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast There shall not sorry there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them only be thou strong and very courageous that thou that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper this is hard to say whithersoever thou goest so i'm learning to read in elizabethan because it's a little different their words are slightly different so that's why i'm a little hesitant but i guess it's good practice to read this out loud So it goes on to say this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success I'm going to underline that cuz that is really good cuz God right there is promising prosperity and success to his people so you know when we are in the family of Christ Jesus We are technically in God's family. So that means that we technically have um a covenant with God in regards to him providing us with prosperity and good success because that's part of his promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob because technically those are our fathers, our I guess you could say our spiritual fathers in our faith because we serve the same God and because we are in the holy family of God. Have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying pass through the host and command the people saying prepare prepare you victuals I have never heard of that word before but I'll have to look it up for for within 3 days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in possess the land which the Lord your God giveth to possess it 
and to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. What I love about this, and I'm going to underline it, I'm just now grasping that one verse, is that even though the Israelites sinned, the Lord still blessed them. And the reason why is because they repented. They repented and went back to the Lord. And even though, even though he was angry with them, he forgave them. So in terms of forgiveness, forgiveness we serve a very merciful God. So regardless of our shortcomings and our sin, when we repent and go back to God, even though he is disappointed in us, once we repent and we go back to God, he will continue to help us. I would say even in our sin, he will he will continue to help us. But here's the thing. When we're sinning, the way that he helps us is not that he's going to give us money or land. No, no, no. When we are in sin, the way that he helps us is he helps us to go back to him and to keep our eyes on Christ. That's one way of him helping us. But we we basically get rewarded for walking in the blessing of God and doing his word and believing in his word when we are not sinning. Because even though we do fall short of of the grace of and mercy of God, He never gives up on us. He never forsakes us. He never orphans us. So even though we make mistakes, he still loves us because that technically is true love. Sometimes when we think of true love, we think it's just what a man and a woman feel when they get married and you all oh, this is my one true love. You all that kind of stuff. The first true love actually is the love that God has for his creation, which is you and me. that is actually the first true love that this planet ever saw and we technically still are are the apple of his eye we we are in the palm of his hand and that is also true love right there and they answer Joshua saying all that thou commandest us we will do and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go so they're being obedient see what you have to remember in uh, the couple of previous books Deuteronomy and Exodus they were not always obedient to Moses Even though God had done all these signs and wonders, they were not always obedient to Moses. So then God's anger would flare up and um not be very happy with the Israelites. So then Moses would intervene. But here we see the Israelites are kind of figuring out, "Hey, because you are chosen by Moses and by God to lead us and to help us, we're going to do what you're saying to do because we know that what you say is good and true." It goes on to say Um, according as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. I really love that. It says, only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. See, they're recognizing that your know, God was with Moses, and when Moses passed away, 
that mantle of holiness and blessing was passed on to Joshua and it is legitimate so it is a physical mantle but it's also a spiritual mantle something that lives on the inside of Joshua whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him he shall be put to death only be strong and of good courage i love that only be strong and of good courage see i i love how simple god makes things for us because i think sometimes we make it complicated and we forget that you know, god's not asking us to take on the whole world because he knows that we can't do that. He knows that we have our own frailty as the human race. We have our own shortcomings and and he's not asking us to do um dangerous things. He's not asking us to do unrealistic things. I think sometimes people get frustrated in their faith because they feel like they're not worthy or they feel like they are incompetent and and that they're not good enough. Well, here's the thing. Because God loves us, we are good enough. We are good enough and and we are capable. But it it's our human frailty and our and our human discouragement that sometimes blocks us from fulfilling our God-given duty into doing what's right, if that makes sense. Cuz I noticed that you know when I reread this um it was in a different version of the Bible, but I reread it a couple years ago. um in terms of the old testament i reread deuteronomy and exodus and joshua and i noticed how many times the lord commanded and i mean commanded the israelites the hebrews one and the same uh, peoples he commanded them to be strong and courageous to have courage and to do not fear but stand strong stand firm he said that multiple times to them sometimes directly to them sometimes from a cloud sometimes from a pillar of fire sometimes excuse me he would speak through Moses or Joshua so time and time again he's trying to tell the israelites that you have what it takes but not on your own when you come to me the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob you have everything that you need and sometimes they would forget who they are that it's like they would forget that God chose them and you know in um i believe in Exodus and Deuteronomy it says that God chose them not because they were a great people or they were a strong people in fact he chose them because they were basically the underdog and he wanted wanted to show the world that first of all he loves his people and number 2 he can take what man thinks is garbage or trash and turn it into something beautiful and call it holy that's what god did with the israelites he chose i believe the word is a peculiar people a people that other societies just threw away as nothing They thought the Israelites were weird. They thought they were stupid for only worshiping one God. They thought they were ignorant, uneducated. Um they basically thought they were morons. When in fact, this small group of people, and you have to remember, even though there were a lot of slaves that were released from Egypt um when God freed them via Moses, their their deliverer, 
you know, yes, there were many, many Israelites that were released from Egypt, but their population total was nothing compared to other nations. So what God was doing is he was proving to the world at that time and still proves it to this day that he is the one and true God and he is a faithful God. And we see that in his holy word because he chose a people that no one else would think to choose to to love, to respect, um, to have them be a part of society, to value their work, to value their thoughts, their opinions, to value them and respect them. That's why they were called a peculiar people. Because if you think about, the Israelites were not scribes. And we talked about this in a previous podcast that, you know, if you were a scribe in Egypt, you were considered very well educated and very well off because, in fact, you were. Being a scribe in Egypt was only a couple steps below or a couple seats below being a pharaoh because you had to be very educated and very well trained in your profession in order to um, make and take inscriptions for the pharaoh. Because a lot of the work of the scribes was dealing with the gods that they had in Egypt and also to deal with the history of the Egyptians. One of the things that the scribes did, I don't know if you have ever been to Egypt. I have not. I would love to go. But if ever you go or if you have been, you will see all those hieroglyphs. Well, scribes had to do a lot of that work. It wasn't just regular everyday people that did that work. It was very intense. It could be very laborious. And a lot of those hieroglyphs, not all of them were in regards to serving their gods. So it's almost like he had two separate camps within the scribe profession almost. It's like you had scribes that some of them focused on the incantations of of what they would um inscribe on the walls of the pyramids for the dead because Egyptians believed in saying um I would say not not always curses but they they believed in spells um they were a very almost a mystical kind of people I guess you could say um they were kind of like almost like gypsies but not trashy because gypsies they kind of they just kind of are trashy I don't know how to describe it and I don't mean that negatively if you're a gypsy listening to this the gypsies are not known for being educated and they are not known for being trustworthy people they're actually known for being thieves and vagrants and um very um nomadic kind of people the egyptians were not nomadic not by any means they were firmly planted in egypt but they believed in incantations and spells and as previously as said in a previous podcast um they believed that you could put a curse on somebody if you didn't like them but you could also bless them by speaking a spell over them and so they would have scribes if you were wealthy and they did have wealthy people back then we know they had wealth because we still have all these pyramids and all these tombs and those are just the ones that survived the test of time We're not even seeing Egypt as it really was. Like it's still impressive to this day, but we're not even seeing everything that was actually there. We're just seeing the remnants of it. So think about how beautiful Egypt would have been in its full glory, so to speak. So these scribes, they would write incantations on the walls of these tombs 
because they believed that in the afterlife it was part of what was written on the walls they would draw food beverages um you know if you still wanted to have a lot of sex in the afterlife then they drew that um and literally they did do that if you wanted wine or beer they would draw that on the walls um they would draw all different types of food whether it was bread I don't know if they had corn. They may have had maize, but all these different types of food, barley, things like that. And then they would draw, you know, maybe a boat, a real fancy boat if you wanted to be able to go up and down a river in the afterlife and have it really good. So, it's one of those things that they believe that whatever they wrote would come to pass because they believed in incantations and and things like that. Then you had a separate group of scribes that they handled the history of Egypt. And so that's where you're seeing um the hieroglyphs and some of the carvings. There were some slaves like stone cutters um that did the um stone cutting of um of the Egyptian pharaohs and things like that, but there were also scribes that they would write out the history of a battle, they would write out the history of each particular pharaoh while that pharaoh was alive and then when he died they would move on to the next pharaoh and start writing inscriptions and hieroglyphs regarding that new family line because even though the Egyptians did did practice incest and um especially within the royal family because they believed in the royal bloodline that was one of the pagan things that that that's why there were so many laws uh written for the Hebrews and the Israelites one of the same people mind you with that not to have incest in your families because that goes against God's law and it also leads to a very um different kind of population of people because you have birth defects things like that so but it also goes against God's law so that's why God was very strict with the Israelites when they left Egypt because he knew what they were exposed to on a daily basis for over 400 years, or actually 400 years. They were exposed to that. So that's why he was trying to tell them, and he did tell them, do not practice any of these pagan practices because they go against my law and you're supposed to be holy. So, unfortunately, um within the Egyptian royal family, they practiced incest all the time because they believed that um they believed in a royal bloodline they did not want to break the royal bloodline even though they do that they were having a lot of miscarriages that's one of the bad things of course incest is sick and disgusting anyway and it's it's wrong and it's evil but one of the also the bad things genetically speaking by incest is that because your dna your chromosomes are so similar because your family you're related There are a lot of birth defects, but there can also be a lot of miscarriages. So the Egyptians knew this. They knew they were having a lot of miscarriages, but it didn't stop them from practicing incest because they were so hellbent, so to speak, on having royal royal bloodlines to the extreme. Almost like how some people will only prefer a purebred cat or a pure a purebred dog. And we know just from years of breeding these different types of animals that if you only do purebreds over and over and over and over again that that breed will technically become weaker and weaker because the bloodline is too close
So what's interesting is that the scribes that primarily focused on the history of Egypt and they focused on telling the stories of all the victories that the pharaohs had and you know talking about government documents and things like that they would note whenever a queen or a royal family member would have a miscarriage and there was one particular pharaoh him and his wife they were brother and sister um it was the egghead looking guy like i can't remember his name the name of that pharaoh but um he was really disturbing looking um because it just definitely looks like incest with that but um his wife had a lot of miscarriages it was documented and also they have found some of those babies that were mummified and they look really weird they do not look like normal remains because they know that there was incest going on so i mentioned that because you know god was pulling the israelites away from that because first of all that is not how anyone should live but secondly god was calling them to a better life and you can't have a better life if you are still practicing things that god detests and abhors and is outside of his covenant because you have to remember that you know he made a covenant uh, with abraham and he, he that's basically a promise to abraham that he was going to make his um his his seed and his descendants as numerous and prosperous as the stars in the sky well if you have incest you're not going to have very many children and if you do they're going to look really weird and it's it's not going to be a good thing because they won't be normal people they will be deformed they may be mentally retarded at a higher rate and they may die at a very young age because their chromosomes are or well their dna I don't know about their RNA but their DNA and their chromosomes their genetic makeup is is screwed up it's messed up because stuff was not formed right in the womb because the egg and the sperm were from the same family line so you have to branch out that's why what we see in the bible is whenever someone was trying to find a wife for their son they typically would go send someone and get a wife for their son even if it was an extended extended family member like just like not super close and they did that cuz first of all God God said to do that he said not to intermarry within just your family like your immediate family but also God wanted his people to grow and to be numerous and to be prosperous so whenever they were leaving Egypt if you think about if you think about the Israelites were exposed to so much paganism unbelievable amounts of paganism, unbelievable amounts of incest, unbelievable amounts of just different types of evil that the Egyptians did. Like really, we should not feel pity or sympathy for the Egyptians back then. Because what they did to God's holy people was really bad. They enslaved them for 400 years. They maltreated them, oppressed them, were cruel to them, killed them, murdered them. Um they they did horrible things to their people. They starved them, they beat them, they whipped them. um it was on a very much massive scale it was it was really bad and so like for example like whatever happened in the african american slave trade was nothing compared to what happened to the israelites like there just is no comparison and that might hurt some people's feelings but this isn't about feelings this is about facts this is about history this is this is about what actually happened to god's holy people so you have to remember that You know the reason why God was so strict with them when they left Egypt was because 
they had to be taught the right way to live. Otherwise, if they were not taught the right way to live, whenever they got to the promised land, they would immediately lose the promised land because they would not be living within the covenant of God's holy law. Because that's where you're going to find blessing and prosperity. That's where you're going to find the goodness of God. You cannot find the goodness of God in anything that is outside of holiness. That's why um in in one of these books in the Old Testament it says that you have a choice. It actually says it multiple times. You have a choice between choosing the curse or the blessing. You have a choice between choosing life and death. So choose the blessing, choose life. All throughout the time that the Israelites were in the desert, they they had a choice to choose the blessing and to choose life. But time and time again, they got angry, they got irritated, they basically called God a liar. They got hateful with Moses and with his brother Aaron, and sometimes Miriam, and um, they they maltreated them and disrespected them, and God did not like that. And so what's interesting is that sometimes whenever the Israelites would get irritated, they would they would work, revert back to not necessarily what they practiced in Egypt, but what they were familiar with. So that's why they built the golden calf and worship it. Um that's why they were committing such horrible idolatrous sins was because they doubted God. And so what's the opposite of God? It's everything else that you're not supposed to be doing. That's why God got so angry with the Israelites. So I think sometimes people are hesitant to read the Old Testament because they see it as just wrath of God, all this intense things and it's like, well, God does have wrath. He's our heavenly father. He he can be disappointed. But here's the thing. He was very strict with the Israelites because he was trying to get them to the promised land. But he was not going to tolerate any kind of paganism in the promised land. Like he's not going to reward bad behavior. He's not going to reward a sinful people that do not repent. So that's why he kept reminding them be strong and of good uh, good courage be strong and courageous i was going to say of good cheer he says that too later on but um god is consistently guiding his people to where they need to go even though sometimes they're frustrated and irritated he's still trying to get them where they need to go But what's interesting is that sometimes they're like, "Well, we know where we need to go. Why are why are we listening to Moses? Why are we listening to Aaron? Why are we listening to Joshua?" Because that's who God picked. God knows what he's doing. And see, unfortunately, whenever we turn our back on God, that means we are embracing what God that does not have ordained for us. We're like when we turn away from the goodness of God, we embrace bad things. We may not mean to, we may not willingly do that. I mean, I think it's one of those things like sometimes when people refuse to go to church, when I say they turn their back on God, it doesn't mean that that necessarily they're refusing to go to church and they're immediately practicing paganism or they're practicing a satanic cult. However, if you're turning your back on God, then you are inviting in all kinds of problems into your life. That's what we're seeing with the Israelites. And that's why God keeps reminding them be strong and have courage. Stand firm. He continued to guide them. He never left them or forsook them. It's just 
Sometimes they were unrealistic about their relationship with God. See, they were used to a pharaoh. They were not used to their heavenly father the way they should be. They were used to a taskmaster. They were not used to someone that loved them. Even though they were crying and wailing in their slavery, it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of like whenever I meet someone that has left a domestic violence situation. You know, just because a person leaves a domestic violence situation that doesn't mean they are completely free of being oppressed or or feeling like a victim all the time or being angry all the time. It takes time for their soul to heal. Like physically their body is healing because they're not being beaten anymore. when someone escapes a domestic violence situation but they still have to deal with the emotional and psychological trauma and sometimes spiritual trauma i think whenever we're dealing with that kind of violence because it's a different type of hatred it's very evil domestic violence whenever you're dealing with with the aftermath of that just because physically their body has healed you know maybe they don't have a black eye anymore their arm isn't broken um their legs not broken um their fingers aren't broken, their toes aren't broken. You know, maybe they had to get plastic surgery on one side of their face because they were beaten so bad and sometimes this does happen in domestic violence. That's why it's so cruel, sick and evil. But even though they may be completely healed, and maybe if you look at that person, you can't tell they were ever beaten because their body healed itself, but it's the healing on the inside that can take way longer because that's where the agony lives. that that's where the hurt lives that's where the shame lives that's very similar to what the israelites went through it's like they went through constant domestic violence but at a national level because they were overtaken by a different nation so for 400 years they basically were in a constant domestic violence situation but at a national level because of who their oppressors were So that's why when they left Egypt, yes, they're all yippy skippy, they're leaving Egypt, but that's also why they easily reverted back into a lifestyle that they were familiar with was because they were not focusing on the goodness of God. And even though their physical scars had healed from the taskmaster, you know, their their skin, the lash, it, it had healed. But their their soul was still scarred. And instead of going to God with the scarring of their soul, they tried to rely completely on themselves to try and figure things out. And that's where they fell from grace. That's where they drew away from God instead of going to God. And so that's why God chose Moses and he encouraged him to train and teach Joshua how to handle things. And that's why Joshua was chosen. because you know it really matters who your who your leaders are because not only were Moses and Joshua leaders like physical leaders they were also spiritual leaders as well i mean if you can imagine how exhausting it would be to lead these people anywhere because it says multiple times excuse me that the israelites were a very stiff-necked people god knew that but he did not give up on them because he remembered his covenant with Abraham 
And God always honors his word. It doesn't matter how much we screw up. God always honors his word. And one way that he honors his word is he reminds us this is how you're supposed to be living. What you're doing is wrong. And you will not see promises come to pass if you're living opposite of my word. But if you come to me, I will give you rest. I will help you where you need to go. And if you need to fight somebody, if you have an enemy, don't worry, I will fight them for you. You still need to stand strong, you still need to stand firm, you still need to have courage. Because you you cannot defeat an enemy and be weak, wimpy and whiny. That's why the Lord really wanted these people to be quiet when it came to complaining and whining. And the only words he really wanted them to speak were good words. Whether it's praising him, worshiping him, or talking about the goodness of God, and how much they are looking forward to going into the promised land, and you'll speak favor over your life. See, that's one of the the flaws and one of the setbacks that the, that the Israelites had was that instead of speaking God's favor over their lies over their life, they spoke cursing over their life whenever they would get frustrated. So that's why. It's important that whenever we get irritated or frustrated that we not, we do not ever speak out of frustration or irritation. Because you are inviting in all the bad stuff that that you do not want to happen in your life. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I've seen that happen firsthand. So it's one of those things you need to really watch what you say because what you say is what you think. and vice versa. That's why God was you know encouraging them to meditate on his on his word, his laws, his commandments because those were the stepping stones and they still are stepping stones in the human race. The 10 commandments are the stepping stones to heaven. There are other words and different guidances that God gives us besides or not besides but on top of the commandments the 10 commandments because that's his form of encouragement like he gives us the foundation you know whenever you're building a house if you don't have a firm foundation your house will fall every time you try and build it but if you build a firm foundation then your house will stand it will be able to buffet any kind of weather so the 10 commandments are the foundation Then he guides them with uh, proverbs and with wisdom and guidance. That's that's the rest of the house. That's like the shingles, the roof, the windows, the doors. But the foundation is the Ten Commandments. It's those laws given to us from God, and we need those laws, not for shaming and blaming. That's not what they're for. They are for guarding and protecting God's holy people from harm. Cuz I know from personal experience I thought man there's all these rules I hate it that's how I thought as a child but also I was taught by the wrong people so once I realized what it really meant to believe in God's holy word and to know and understand God's love for us through his holy word then I didn't look at his laws and his wisdom and guidance as a burden because 
it was taught to me as a burden, which is technically a sin, it's technically a heresy to take God's word and manipulate it. But once I learned the truth about God's word, then I wasn't burdened anymore. I actually could relax. I didn't have this intensity to me anymore. And that that was so nice. I think there are so many denominations within Christianity that they thrive off of telling other people what to do and they thrive off of fear, they thrive off of anxiety, they thrive off of anger. All that is contrary to God's holy word. He wants us to live in peace. He wants us to be happy. We're not supposed to grovel. We're not supposed to think, "Oh, I'm just a worm." No. Nowhere does he say that about us. He says that about our enemies, but he doesn't say that about us. So it's important to know who you are in Christ Jesus. It's important to know the history and the facts of our faith because It's important to remember that all these people were real. They actually walked this earth many, many, many years ago. They walked this planet. They they lived and breathed on the same planet that you and I are on. And they did courageous and wonderful things. And we get to see their history and their testimony through God's holy word. Cuz not only is it God's holy word but it's also a documentary. And also if you have like a book of Joshua, you know, it's it's almost like a a biography about him. You know, Moses, his his life, I mean, it goes over through a couple books here. It's almost like a biography for him. I mean, just think about the people that are in the Bible and and really I guess one way it kind of fascinates me is that you know I know that these people were real, and we only see a glimpse of their life and what they went through, what they had to deal with, and and God's holy word. But just imagine when you and I pass away, and we go to heaven, we get to see these people. We get to meet them in heaven. Like personally, one of the first things I want to do is I want to give Abraham, Joshua, and Moses a big hug. and Jacob and Miriam that's that's one of the things i want to do like the more i read god's holy word the more i don't fear death cuz i think americans we 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 fear death and we shouldn't you know death is part of life that doesn't mean we welcome it and embrace it but it's one of those things like when you know when you know that you're loved you don't fear situations So then if you're not fearing stuff all the time, you know that God can get you out of anything. So why worry about it? And it's just one of those things that you know, worry is not part of God's plan. Fear is not part of God's plan. Anxiety is not part of God's plan. Everything opposite of those things is part of God's plan. For sure. Courage, strength, prosperity knowing who you are in Christ Jesus so it's kind of those things the more i read about the more i read the bible the more i really am in tune with the people of the bible because when i was younger i didn't really necessarily think about the individual people i was just trying to grasp what i was reading but now that i'm older and i'm not saying i'm old i'm only 37 but 
It just is so amazing how I've read the Bible so many times and every time I read it I'm looking at it from a different viewpoint. I'm looking at it through a different lens. And this go around without even realizing it, I'm looking at it from a point of view of these people are real. Like if I had been around during those times when when they were coming out of Egypt, I would have met these people. Like that's how real they are. Like like these people are not fictional. They're non-fictional, meaning it's real. It's an accurate story. Um it's it's the facts. I mean, I don't know how people can deny the Bible. I I don't understand that myself because we know exactly where all this took place in history. You know, you know what I don't understand about people that don't believe in God and I don't mean this in a bad way or negative way. I just am kind of curious. What I don't understand about people that don't believe in God and they don't believe in God's holy word is that you know all throughout the Bible it says specifically where these events took place. And every single one of these events we know where it took place on a map. Like if you were to look at a map or an atlas or a globe you could easily point to where these things took place. So if we know where it took place on our planet and we know which continent and which country it was in and where it occurred that tells me it happened it's not made up it's real like when it says in the bible that the israelites were enslaved for 400 years in egypt we know where egypt is and even if egypt was not a country anymore of course it's a different kind of country now it don't have pharaohs or anything but um Let's say for example we weren't really sure where Egypt was. We could figure it out because it lists the rivers in the Bible in that area. So if we know geographically where these events took place and how long ago it happened because in the Bible it most of the time it lists the year. And it just goes straight through chronologically. So if we know geographically where this stuff took place, we know chronologically where it took place. We know the kings that were in charge, we know the queens that were in charge, we know the inhabitants of these places because these inhabitants um that inhabited these countries and these lands, they technically are the ancestors of the people that are living over there now. If we know all those things, then I don't understand how people can deny the existence of God. I don't understand how they can deny the fact that the Bible is real, it's factual, it's legitimate and it's God's holy word. And you know, just above all again, I don't understand how they can say that God doesn't exist. Because he does exist. Because if you have a people, for example, the Israelites If you have a people that were freed from a very mighty pharaoh by signs and wonders from from their god from the one true god then how can they deny the fact that pretty much the entire Egyptian empire fell I mean it, it was just pretty much ruined after the Israelites left and then they had to rebuild their social structure I mean eventually It was the Roman Empire that took over the Egyptians. Um I think it was after soon after Cleopatra died um when when she committed suicide. 
So it's kind of those things that if we know that Cleopatra was real, we know the Roman Empire was real, then how is it people are denying the fact that the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years and that God freed them from the grip of Pharaoh? I mean, if someone can tell me an explanation to that, at least kind of enlighten me on that, I would be open to that. Just FYI, I will still believe in what I know to be true because I, I look at the facts. I'm very black and white, yes and no. And so whenever I am researching something and I'm looking up something and I want to know the truth, especially when it comes to, to, my, to my faith walk with Christ Jesus, I already know that what God says is true. But being the human being that I am and being that I'm curious in nature and I love to look at the facts and I like to really look at timelines and things like that. I love data. I like to look at the years, the dates, the geographical area. Sometimes I like to look up and see what natural resources they had at the time. I also like to look up what kind of plant life they would have had. You know, what kind of fruits and vegetables would they have eaten? What kind of meat would they have cooked? And um you know what kind of breeds of sheep or goats or cattle did they have back then because the cows and sheep and goats they had back then may not be exactly the same ones that we have today so it's one of those things that i like to look at everything i like to look at the whole picture so my point being that if i'm looking at the whole picture and i and i can tell for a fact that god is real the israelites are real the hebrews were real Again, Israelites and Hebrews are one and the same. And if I know that these pharaohs existed, then why wouldn't I also believe that God exists? That that's just some of the that's just some of the way that my brain thinks because I just I just don't know how anyone can deny that God exists. I don't know how they can deny his existence. I also find it odd when people believe in a, in a, a, a um, what's it called? A, they call it a higher being or a um, that there is some kind of spiritual being, but they just don't know who it is. Again, I have to ask, how do you not know who it is by now? You have the holy word of God. We have God's holy truth. I, I just don't get how people can kind of skirt around the truth like that. I don't understand that. That kind of bamboozles me, but you know everybody has a right to believe in what they want to believe in. But, you know, if it was me, I would take it very seriously in what I believe in or what I don't believe in. And I would want to make sure that I'm believing in the right thing. You know, it's almost like whenever you are participating um in an event and you're competing for something, You want to know what you're competing for. Well, it's the same thing in our in our daily lives. You know, what what is the accomplishment that we're trying to accomplish in our daily life and within our lifetime? You know, and and what do I want to believe in? That, you know, for sure for something that would make this world a better place. Well, there's only one thing that can make this world a better place, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about the Father, we're talking about God, our heavenly Father, who is the one that freed the Israelites um from the slavery of the Egyptians. So there are so many things that I think about whenever I read God's holy word, and I pray that it helps you to understand just the 
the intricacies, but also the simpleness at the same time. Because that's one reason why I like to read the Bible is I love it when it's very cut and dry and simple because it's things that I can grasp immediately. Other times, I like to see when there's something that I may not understand on the surface. So I want to dive deeper in it, into it. I want to understand what is it about this that is confusing me? What is it about this that I don't understand? And one of the things that I did not understand was wisdom. I did not understand um, the book of Proverbs. It was over my head for the longest time. In fact, I couldn't stand reading it. I think I mentioned that before. I was just like, this is such a waste of my brain space because I was really frustrated. Um, but I think it's one of those things that when you get older and, and you understand things differently, it becomes easier to understand. Because, um, you know, children are not known for being wise. And that's probably why right there. But anyway, um, I will go ahead and end this podcast because we're going over a little over 50 minutes. Um, but do reach out to me if you have an answer to my question about um, why there are some people that refuse to acknowledge that God exists. I just find that very fascinating. I find that very interesting because I'd be interested to hear a response. But anyway, so until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you, that you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And if I don't hear from you until next time, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.